Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. What up, world? It's your boy, Billy. And someone not pretending to not be a white man, Topher. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? Recording stuff. Did we watch a thing this week? Well, we watched the Oscars. We watched the Oscars and we went all the way to Sweden for the square. We did. Should we talk Oscars first? Let's do it. Yeah, look, I didn't think there were too many shock winners. No, there weren't. It was reasonably predictable. Yeah. How did you end up going in the tipping? I got 19 out of 24. Pretty good run. That's pretty respectable. Pretty good run. I was happy am, with that. I am proud to say that I got 22 out of 24. 22. 22, You know what friend. one might label that performance if one was so inclined? That is stonkingly good, Billy. <laughs> Everybody drink. <laughs> <laughs> if Tova says stonkingly, you take a drink. <laughs> yes, that's right. 22. I so got, what did you get wrong? The two I got wrong, documentary short. Which, that's, a, that's a lottery. <laughs> that was a guess. That was just a guess. And uh, a shame to say it, visual effects, which is supposed to be my wheelhouse, got it wrong. Mm. I was sure it was going to them apes. So was I. It was maybe my biggest thrill of the night. Okay, sorry. Second biggest thrill of the night. Because just anything good happening to Blade Runner 2049, I was all for. I yeah. was like, woo! Which I 100% have to see. I yeah. really do have to my see My Blu-ray it. copy of it is, what is it? One and a half metres from you <laughs> It is. I might, currently. I might take that home with me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and look, I guess, as we've said so many times, cinematography is more than just camera work. It makes sense to me that Blade Runner would get both cinematography and visual effects, because especially in a, move like, in a movie like that, those things are so closely linked. Yeah, actually, the melding of effects and the actual practical work done by Deacons and the crew on that film is, as you'll find out when you get around to watching it, it's it's amazing. Yeah, so it 100% and, makes sense to me that it won, and I'm happy it did. And my biggest thrill of the night was when Deacons picked up his first Oscar. And it was it was a really nice moment. Like, standing ovation, everyone in the room was like, thank God. He gave, I thought, one of the nicest speeches of the night, to be honest, when he got up and he really thanked his team and he made a point that this is, you know, he's he's been around, he's worked for a long time, but it, it's all about a great team. And, you know, for a DP, that's true, man. Like, it's... It's it's a huge team effort, so I thought that was really nice. Yes, all glory to Deacons. Touching on speeches, and what were your thoughts on the overall night itself? I found it pretty enjoyable. Like yeah. I'm I'm a I'm a long time sucker for the Oscars. I love it. Yeah, and I found this one an enjoyable watch. Yeah, I thought Kimmel was good. I thought he did a good yes. job. I thought Kamal Nanjiani stole oh, yeah. the show. Oh, Anytime he was on, I thought he absolutely stole the show. Dude, Kamal should host, because that he is a legend. He was great, <laughs> yeah. I thought. I could have done with... Obviously, I understand it. There's some important stuff going on at the moment, but I could have done with a few more jokes and a little less preaching. I think for most of the part, the balance was pretty good. But I think by the end of the two and a half hours, you're a little bit like, okay, we, we get it. There are more, more important things going on. But I still could have done with a little bit more fun infused into the ceremony. I thought they got the balance right, to be honest. It's it's Hollywood's showpiece event. Yeah. So they can't ignore... Oh, they can't ignore what's going on. No, of course not. It would be silly to think that they could. And you can't give it a token amount of time. So I thought they did it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, cool. All in all, not too many surprises, really. I think, you know, so many of this year felt like total locks to me. Like, I don't think there was any mystery in any of the acting categories. Would Absolutely you say the same not. thing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. They were all locked up weeks and weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. What were the five that you ended up getting wrong? Were they mainly your kind of... Your, your lotto bags? Sort of. Um, so both documentaries I didn't get. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get live action short. 
I didn't get visual effects, same as you. And in the end, on the kind of coin toss that I did with original screenplay, I went with the wordier three billboards. Ah, gotcha. But was then, I was absolutely thrilled. I was stoked to get out of it. That was great. That was great. Get Out is such a great film, and Peel is such a great guy. I was so happy to see him win. You know, and what an inspirational speech when he got up there and was like, "Look, I stopped writing this twenty times." And then I absolutely loved the start of Alice and Janney's speech, where she got up and just <laughs> said, "I did this all on my own." Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was great. Yeah, I mean, Janney's great. Oh, Janney's Janney. And then you had the love fest for Guillermo del Toro, which. Like, I'd heard from a lot of people that, like, this guy is just so loved <laughs> yeah. in that town. And it was so clear. Like, the shot of when he was giving his... Spe- I can't remember if it was... Du- I think it was during his best director speech. And they cut to Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. And yep. you could see her say, oh, like, oh I, I just him. love him. <laughs> oh, man. And I love both. Like, I love Greta Gerwig so much. <laughs> so to see her say that, it just... You know, like, she didn't care that she didn't win. She was just so happy that... You know, like, that was awesome. That was great. Although, I mean, you know... She's she's a screen performer. She might have known when the camera was on. Oh, and then it cut away true. and she was like, that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it does, of course, mean that I'd heard of um, Del Toro, Curon, and Inurito, but you know they get referred to as the three amigos. And I didn't know if they were actually like friends and yeah, knew each yeah. other or if it was just these like lazy... Yeah, these guys are Mexicans. <laughs> yeah, but... I th- am I right in thinking that they actually they actually are a kind of a little I'm not sure. I think the impression I've got from a couple of comments that I've heard like from Del Toro is that it is this kind of thing like back in the day where you had Spielberg, Lucas and, and Coppola. Yeah, yeah. Who kind of came up together. I get the impression that they actually do know each other pretty well. Yeah. I hope. I hope. <laughs> um, and it means that four of the last five best directors come from that little posse. Oh, right. Two yeah. for Inurito. Yeah, Caron for Gravity and Del Toro for Shape of Water. There you go. So, are you? Where are you? Um, happiness wise, where are you at with Best Picture? I, I'm I'm stoked. I, like I loved Shape of Water. It was my pick, so I thought it was going to win. Um, now, when did when when we did our Oscars preview? Yeah, I you didn't my think mind. you didn't I think flipped. that Shape was really I there. Didn't. So what happened? Yeah, so I flipped just in the last couple of days. When I say I got 22 out of 24 right. This was the ballot that I filled out almost immediately before the Oscars. So I posted that on Twitter. It must have been two days before. And yeah, my mind flipped a couple of times. Um, I ended up filling out three different ballots for different tipping contests. One of them I got 19. Like a Chicago pollster. (laughs) (laughs) So one of them I got 19. Because this is a stupid thing. It was all the lotto ones that I didn't fill out the same on each ballot. Yeah. So when I say 22, I got lucky. Your best ballot. ballot. (laughs) My best ballot was 22. One of them I got 19 You've got a future in politics, my friend. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But on all of them, I put shape as best picture. That was one that by the time I started filling out ballots, I was like, yep, shape is going to get it. There were so many I would have been happy with. I would have been just as happy if Ladybird won. I would have been just as happy if Get Out won. To be honest, there was seven of the nine which I'd have been happy with. Yeah, which like, were the two that you wouldn't have. So, the and, Darkest and, Hour and so the So Darkest Hour and the Post, both of which I like. Yeah, yeah. Both of which I like, but they're not at the level of the others. Of the other seven, give, give me any of them. Like, And Shape of Water's not my favourite yeah, of those yeah. seven, but I'm not unhappy. Yeah. That it i, I got to say, one thing I was surprised by... And I say this looking in hindsight, even though I filled out the tipping ballot and this is what I thought would happen. I was surprised by how few repeat winners there were. The awards were kind of spread fairly evenly across. You know, so Shape of Water, I think, only ended with four. With four, yeah. Uh, Dunkirk, two. Is that right? Well, Just at the least sound three. Mixing got sound, sound, sound oh, editing. Oh, and film editing. 
So I've got three. Was the editor of Dunkirk um, Australian or New Zealand? He I'm was Aussie. Sure. He's Aussie. He's Aussie. Represent. Yeah. Yeah. Friend of, Go us. Friend of the podcast. <laughs> we did that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was surprised to see the kind of all spread out a little bit more evenly. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's it speaks to probably how unsure people were. Yes, Shape of Water was the favourite for Best Picture, yeah. but people didn't think it was a lock by any stretch. Yeah. So it does, I suppose, speak to the evenness of the field. Sad, isn't it, that Lady Bird walks away with nothing? Nothing. Although I did, I, I loved A24 posted an image on Instagram just today, which was, um, it was a poster for Lady Bird. And it's, you know, Lady Bird, I have an Oscar in quotations. And the response was, why is it in quotations? Like, do you actually have an Oscar? It's like, yes, it was given to me by me. <laughs> which, I, w- I would have loved to have seen Lady Bird get at least something. Speaking of studios, Shape of Water is Fox Searchlight. Yep. Who are on a strong run. Of course, with Fox being bought by Disney, there is this... Okay, are Fox going to continue to get to do their thing? Or is there going to be any kind of sanitation? No, I wouldn't be surprised if part of the reason Disney bought Fox was for Fox Searchlight. Because, I mean, Disney used to own Miramax. So Disney have never... They've always had at least that one kind of Their prestige branch. Yeah, that focuses on more kind of indie art house films. And they tend to leave them pretty well and truly enough alone. So, I hope so. So I wouldn't be surprised if Fox Search like continued kind of as it is. Mm. Yeah. We can hope. So who's winning next year, Billy? Oh, mate. Early days. Mm. Oh, I don't know yet. Can we do a Spielberg and get a movie done between now and December? You reckon You reckon we could? Nothing good. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then so one of the nominees on the night, which didn't end up winning, is The Square. True that. Uh, which is a very multicultural film. It's a it's co-production of Sweden, Germany, France, and Denmark. Uh, and it's in both Swedish and English. Um, and Danish. And Danish. Yeah, that's right. It's up for best... Not that f- I can tell. <laughs> yeah, you got no idea what's going on. No. Right? It was nominated for Best Foreign Picture at the Oscars, and it won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. So, very, very positive talk about this movie. Um, what did you think? Oh, we're skipping straight to that, are we? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to skip straight to that. Uh, I was totally into it. I thought you would I be. liked the square. I thought you would. I'm I'm prone to like Swedish things. You are. I know, I know that you often feel like you, you know, probably would have been Swedish or some kind of Viking. <laughs> <laughs> the world's least fit Viking. <laughs> I know that you're a big fan of uh, Sweden as a place. So. I am a fan of Sweden as a place. I was there last year. I know you were. Thoroughly enjoyed it. In fact, there's a scene in the film where... They're looking at something being tracked on Google Maps. Well, oh, essentially yeah. on Google Maps. And you recognised where and it And I was like, oh, he's right near my hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, I, I knew that you would like this movie. I'm not telling you what I think yet. I okay. think we should have the discussion first. So uh, go for it, man. The Square is a film set around the sort of community and the culture around art and modern art specifically. The main character is the curator uh, of, a, of an art museum or, or gallery. And... A lot of the film is dealt with looking at, critiquing, satirising the art world and the people who kind of inhabit that space. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, The film is self-described as a dramatic satire. I think that's certainly fair to say. That works for me as a description. Yeah. So, I mean, we follow, even though it is around, we follow a central character, which is our man Christian, who is the curator. And um, the film doesn't even necessarily 
I wouldn't, you know, I was almost expecting it to be very much set around this art gallery. You know, I thought that maybe the entire film would be set at like, you know, the opening of an exhibition or something. But really, it's it's the story of Christian because there's a lot of stuff in this film that's completely unrelated to art plot wise and just follows him. Mm. And I, th- I thought he was quite likable. I was on board with Christian. Yeah, I don't dislike Christian, but he's totally self-important. And oh, yes. He's like he's an ab- perfect. He's an absolute wanker. He's which, very up himself. So, yeah, so I found, always, him, I found him totally relatable. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that kind of stuff I liked. I, I, I loved that scene where, well, I mean, one of the things I really liked was that scene, probably I think it starts about 10, 15 minutes in, where him and his co-worker are deciding to write the threatening letter yes. and drop it in every letterbox in this apartment building where his phone possibly is, according to Google Maps, like phone tracker. And uh, he's too afraid to go in the building and do it because he's a public figure and people might oh, recognise him. And that yep. just really sets this character up. And you get that again later after him and Elizabeth Moss have, have hooked up and he's refusing to give her the condom because he is so self-important. He's sure that she's going to like keep his sperm or yeah. inseminate herself. I loved or... that scene. I thought it was hysterical. Yeah, that was, that was a great scene. There were some great parts of this movie. And we get, yeah, they, they set up Christian quite nicely. Like there's that, like you were talking, that scene at the at the building. Uh, there's also the early on in the film, the, the reason he's at the building is because he gets robbed. And the scene where that happens, where he and this other guy... Kind uh, of congratulating each other. Or... Absolutely congratulating themselves because, hey, we stood up to, to someone who was harassing a woman. Aren't we amazing, yeah. <laughs> upstanding moral people? Yeah. But I lo- and that very much contrasts with, I mean, literally seconds before that happens, he's walking past a homeless person and there's this woman standing out trying, I don't know whether she's raising money, saying, you know, do you want to save a life today? And everyone, including Christian, just walks right past her. It is this comment on we're all very happy to congratulate ourselves and stuff when we do something great, but no one is willing to go out of their way to do something to help another person. And that that's one of the huge themes of the movie. Yeah, I think the the biggest takeaway from the film, and because it, it, it touches on a bunch of different things. Yeah, which is one of my critiques of the movie is that there is too much in there. But for me, the biggest thing is the bystander effect. Yeah. And the fact that yeah. humans really are a herd animal and that so long as we're not, you know, so long as the danger isn't really coming to us, and if we're okay, more often than not, we're happy enough to just keep moving. As much as we might like to think that, yeah, absolutely, I'd do the right thing. Whereas for Christian, it's only when it's he doesn't really have an option of doing the right thing or not that he does the right thing yeah. and gets robbed. <laughs> yeah. So I really liked Christian and the stuff that followed Christian, and I really liked the critiques on... Uh, I, I loved I laughed every time we went to that room with the big piles of rocks in it yeah. as an art installation and then later on there's that scene where there's this huge emergency because one of the janitors has accidentally swept up some of the rocks and I so they're not, all, they're not all the same the clean um, yeah the cleaner literally cleaning up part of an exhibit yeah it's just and there's a shot earlier on in the film which I think it's in the trailer as well you just see someone just stick their head around the corner to that installation and are just like pass. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like the comedy in this film was very strong. I personally felt like the comedy was much stronger than the drama was. Like, I still find it weird to see this film self-proclaimed as a satiric drama because to me, that's not that's not what this film is at all. Because the comedy was very strong and very funny, and yeah, those critiques of the art world were great. I, the, the opening scene 
got me in when it starts with Elizabeth Moss, who I guess is a an art journalist, yep. interviewing Christian about you know this piece, and she's reading back to him this statement that the museum put out, and it makes zero sense. It's just art wank on art wank, and she she hands it to him to kind of interpret to her, and he's completely lost. He's just staring at it. He has no idea what it even means, and he spits something out which you can tell he's not at all convinced is correct really but he's yeah. like let's see if she eats this up but the i actually i really like the comedy in it like some of the moments yeah. where like where they're going off to where they do the the letter drop and old mates in the back of christians one of christians employees is in the back of his car and he yells they've got this music pumping and he's like yes we're out for justice in a Tesla. <laughs> the Tesla of justice. Yeah, that's what I mean. The parts that were funny were hilarious, like hysterically funny. Like I actively laughed out, which it's hard to do when you're coming through translation as well. Because one of the things I was going to say is I liked the actors, but it's hard for me to say whether, because I have no idea about inflection or, you know, whether their speech sounded natural because you're reading everything. And so for comedy to still come through like that, I think, yeah, it's really good. Getting back to Elizabeth Moss, could she be any greater? No, she can't. Elizabeth Moss is the best. She really is just... There is something so natural and charming about her that it's so easy to just fall in love with her as any character. Like, she's just so great. And like, I mean, we talked about this when with Ladybird. You're just like, after just after that opening scene, you're just like, yeah, I know who I know who this person is. Yeah, yeah. And you want more of her. I would have loved to have had more of her in this film. Um, like, the bits she is in is great. But, yeah, I just I just wanted more of her. Yeah, her, her scenes with Christian throughout the film, and there's probably only, what, She's a really minimal character, to be honest. Yeah, yeah they're, oh, they're so good. Elsewhere in the film we have, um, there's a, a performance artist in the film. Yes. Who we see on video screens kind of earlier in the film and then we finally see him later in the film and if you've seen the trailer for the film it's the guy who's the ape man in this big fancy dinner I remember seeing the trailer for the film and thinking to myself I know that guy from somewhere thankfully it didn't take me long it didn't aggravate me for too long that it's the guy I knew him from the extra features on The Hobbit because he's the guy who he's a most of his work in in film has been as a, a motion choreographer so in right. The Hobbit, he was teaching the guys how to walk like a dwarf and make it different from just how a human would walk. Okay. And I think I think he taught people movement for the recent Planet of the Apes films. And he actually was Kong in Kong Skull Island. All right. So is he Swedish? No, he's a, he's he's American, I think. Right, because you never hear him speak. No. And so when they, I think I think the story goes that when they were figuring out who to cast as the performance artist, it just becomes obvious. Like, hang on. Let's not hire someone that we then need to train. We've got the guy. Yeah. Just make him do it. And he's amazing. It, that his scene. His performance is great. That I love that scene. I liked it, but one of my problems with this movie is I for me it's too long. And that scene its point is to be uncomfortable. It's like watching an episode of The Office. Like it's meant to make you cringe, but I mean it's unrelenting. Like and I could have done with just a little bit less. But, it is great. Yeah, I don't think you can. I don't think you can do that quickly, though. I think it's good that it leaves because you because you want to make re- you feel uncomfortable. You want a release from it. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't give it to you. Yeah. And that's another. I mean, that's another one of the great things I think. Getting back to the the bystander effect. 
I mean, everyone is sitting in their seats at this dinner going, just so dear God, don't let him come near me. And even as the viewer, you're like, because you, you do feel, well, I did anyway, like felt the discomfort from yeah. that scene. And you're also like, thank God I'm not there. Now, do you feel with that scene that there's meant to be a message that maybe I'm missing in that he abuses this man to the point of kicking him out of the room and and the crowd is still fine with that until he starts harassing this woman and then they all jump on him? Like, Is there something I'm missing there? Is that meant to say something? I suspect so. And it probably helps that the person that leaves is, is an American. And so they're all like, ha-ha, you upset an American, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. and then, but certainly the, the performance artist takes it a lot further. He does. He goes too far. Yeah. But yeah, that's... I mean, I'm in no doubt that the, the whole point of his performance is to see what's it going to take How for these people to take? stop me. Yeah. And it is interesting. You know, those times when we saw him on video, I was convinced that that was Jim Carrey. I had said that to my... I'm like, oh my God, that's Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's in this movie. And then when he came out as the ape man, I'm like, oh no, that's not Jim Carrey. But it looked a lot like him. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, the scene the scene was good, and it is very powerful in that yes, it makes you super uncomfortable. But I guess I like just for me personally, I could have done with less of that because I was like, oh Jesus, just please. <laughs> Another one of the the kind of comments in the film that I quite enjoyed was the whole viral video. So there's these two guys that the the museum has employed to market the exhibition that is the square. Yeah. When they're talking about how they're going to get people, how do we cut through? How do we get people to really click on this? And it's a kind of, you know, by whatever means necessary type and whatever clickbaity type thing it's going to take to do it. And you're sitting there going, oh, God, like, really? You're going to be that those guys? And then it's, I think, just beautiful when that blows up in their face. Yeah, yeah. And because we, we both work with, you know, communication specialists yeah who have these they come to you and they say oh we want we have this idea to make a viral video and they actually call it a viral video as if that's a type of thing that's as a genre to just a video that has gone viral yeah and then yeah i i loved when the title of that video was revealed and it's blonde beggar girl gets blown up or something yep <laughs> like, yep and it it, it is yeah, it was it was hilarious. And then you see the video itself. Does what it says on the label. Yeah. And I guess that, I mean, that's the one. I know that it's, like I said, I feel like the comedy in this film is much stronger than the drama. I find it hard to believe that a video of that caliber, which is so unrealistic, would actually cause a stir in the community. I could see that happening. You could? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's so over the top, though. It's so, like, I don't know. That, for me, wasn't grounded in reality. The, like, they would call a press conference and fire someone over this video. I don't know. I could see that happening. Something I really like about the film and just how it operates as a whole is the kind of strangeness of being a film looking at, in some respects, the absurdity of art. And the film is a piece of art that's making you trying to think about these things around the value or absurdity of art. This is interesting that you brought this up because this is a note I have written down and I think our opinions on this will differ. I think it's I think it's totally self-aware and I think it's totally brilliant. Yes, yeah, I like to think it is, but I for me it's like I loved that satire of the art world and that kind of gets lost for me. when you're satirizing pretentious art house wank and you yourself are a piece of pretentious art house wank, it is hard to differentiate where the satire starts and ends. And I guess I appreciate that, you know, that opinion that it 
you know, the movie is self-aware and that's part of the satire, that actually makes it lose some of the satire for me. Like, I'm sure that that probably is its intention, but it's just, it's, it's hard for me to see that. So I guess my journey with this movie is similar to how I feel about the eight-man scene. Ten minutes in, I'm loving it. I'm like, this is fantastic. This is great. I'm really into this. An hour in, I'm like, okay, I'm still really liking this, but not as much as I was at the start. An hour and a half in, I'm kind of like, okay, all right. And an hour 45 in, I start checking my watch to see how much longer this movie has. Because for me, this is like a boiling pot with too many ingredients in it. And some of those work so well, and some of them work really well together, but there's just too much to make it a cohesive experience for me yep i hear that um there's probably there's some things i could lose but not many to be honest uh i don't think the stuff with his family is particularly strong yeah um but then there's like there's plenty more stuff that we haven't even got to like the the dealings with the homeless in in the film or the person whose life he kind of stuffs up through his through his letterboxing stuff which raises a bunch of other things and show and there's a bunch of more things with christian's behavior that comes out of that that informs his character um, there's a lot going on, there for is. sure. I guess the problem for me is that thematically that stuff is all very repetitive. It's all kind of saying the same thing. So you're getting kind of bombarded with this message that kind of you could have got across with just the one plot rather than having 10 plots that all say the same thing in different ways. I'm glad there's a bunch happening. It works for me. Although, yeah, like I said, I probably just would have pulled it back a touch yeah not a lot you know like there was some stuff that i really you know like yeah the stuff with the threatening letter and and the kid i think is the strongest in the film i think as a plot to be honest that's kind of a movie on its own it's a bland movie but that is enough plot for a movie on its own and then you know the stuff with him and elizabeth moss i really really like and enjoy and the stuff critiquing the art world i really enjoy that's great and then everything kind of superfluous to that which is a lot like there's a there is a lot to this movie that's just kind of little bits and pieces like parts of it almost feel like you're watching a skit show almost just based around the same characters there's a lot that's just different scenes peppered in there that like i said for me thematically they're all too similar they just say the same thing over and over and over yeah so i mean there's there's characters in the film like if you look at the employees of the museum there's characters you could get rid of from this film and it wouldn't really affect the the story of the film, but I'm really happy that all the little experiences we get from all these people are in there. The whole thing together works for me. Often we speak about films that aren't for everyone. Yeah. Spoiler alert, The Square's not for everyone. Yeah, but this is one of those films where um, it's so funny because critic reviews are really high, audience reviews are really quite low, and, you know... You love it. You usually more align with critics. I usually align closer to audiences, but I'm I'm closer to the critics here. Like I've said, I'm I'm totally on board. The film, I love the film. the The questions that the film asks of the viewer, and it doesn't bother answering those questions necessarily. It's happy to just throw things yeah. at you and say, "Think about this." Yeah, which I and that's something that most I guess Hollywood or American cinema doesn't do. Um, questions that are raised in those kind of movies tend to be answered. And I, yeah, I love different movies where, yeah, they just raise questions and they just let you sit with it and think about your perspective and your ideas on it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, really enjoyable for me. I'm giving it 8 out of 10. I'm going with a 7. So, like we said earlier, there's a bunch more in this film we haven't got to because to break so down much. everything 
would take a very long time. So if if it sounds interesting to you, then if you go and watch it, there's more there for you to kind of explore and think about. Yeah, this is one of those movies that I'm going to say, yeah, you should go watch, definitely. Gets a tick from We Watched a Thing. Sure does, mate. <laughs> uh, what are we watching next week? You tell me. Next week is your birthday. So I've organised a special birthday treat. We are going to go and watch Tomb Raider. Oh, I'm sick. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Sick with excitement for oh, Tomb Raider. God. Video game movies. Mate, you might love is it. Is there a more predictably terrible set of films than films set around video games? <laughs> now you've actually got me thinking. I don't know if that was actually intended to be a question, but I'm going to think on that. <laughs> Mate, you're sick with excitement. You thought Red Sparrow was going to be crap, and you enjoyed that. And I thought it was middling. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, where are your expectations set for Tomb Raider? Three out of ten. Okay, so you're expecting to like it more than Insidious and Justice League, though. Yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) I mean, Alicia Vikander's great. Yeah, so I I think it's going to be fun. Plus, it's your birthday, mate. Well, you know, we'll get ice cream. Yeah, and... awesome. Get my birthday ruined by a video <laughs> game movie. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Even older and even grumpier because of this film. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. It's pretty hard for you to get any grumpy, mate. <laughs> All right. Well, we look forward to that. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchathing.com or wewatchathing at gmail.com. And you can find us on all of the social meds for your social needs, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at wewatchathing. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.